0: DJ and PK, Craig Bowler Jack joining us now. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. You can visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Bowler, good morning.
1: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you?
0: Bet you never thought you'd be a movie star, and now here you are. Groundhog Day Part Two. Every part day, two. every day, the same as the last, right, Bowler?
1: You know what? Uh, i watched that movie not long ago, uh, just before this uh, uh, pandemic, and that's really one of my favorite movies, but I'm not sure if it will be after this. <laughs> not sure. Every time I saw that clock click to 6 o'clock and heard Sonny and Cher, kind of feel like that's what we're doing every day.
2: They say our love won't pay the rent Before it's earned Our money's always spent I guess that's so we don't have a plot
1: (laughs) I made my day there, PK
2: (laughs) Thank you That's what it's all about Yeah, it is I want to throw you a little... I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball. You know, well, obviously we bring you on and talk basketball, but you've been in this market uh, as far as a broadcaster pretty much longer than anybody now. And as a media member, there's very few guys who can match your duration. And Utah this week, Utah football I'm speaking of, has an opportunity – Uh, through this weekend to get up to nine guys drafted i mean a realistic chance that they're going to get between six and nine guys and i'm wondering for somebody who came here i think it was in the mid-80s when utah's football program was floundering how amazing has that been for you to see what is essentially the rise of utah football
1: yeah, it's. I got to be honest, and thanks a lot for reminding me how long I got, how long I've been here. <laughs> it is an amazing story. It really is worthy to tell one day uh, by someone about uh, just the whole path taken by by the Utes to be where they are in a P five conference, uh, the Pac twelve, uh, the coaches that came through with the personalities, by the way, that were so interesting, with the fossils and the McBrides. Uh, and now you've got Witt. His tenure is, is amazing, PK, considering what, what goes on in college football today and the need for, by the alums who write some pretty hefty checks uh, to be satisfied with you know, titles and, and championships. But I think one thing that's amazing is that Utah takes <laughs> maybe three-star athletes and turns them into NFL potential draft picks. Uh, And that number you just mentioned, nine, is impressive. You know, when I got up this morning, I read some of the comments from, you know, listeners, DJ, to what you wrote. And some say great. Some say, well, win a championship. And it's a myriad of emotions about it. Uh, You know, teams win titles. And obviously individuals that have a high level of talent, (laughs) you know, obviously help. And Utah has has a, a basket full of talent. Um, But also, I know there's some disappointment that comes with that, that they they haven't won a Pac-12 championship along the way. Close, a couple of times now. But it tells you, though, that the the ability to go to that program and, I think, develop players into high-level athletes that, obviously, NFL teams have interest in. So it's kind of a two-sided coin to the story, but individually they've found some gems and they've developed into some great football players, but it is a great story PK to mention where they, where they were, where they are now. And um, I think the other part of it is too, the ability to recruit, as you know, in all sports, but especially in football, your ones and twos, speaking of depth, threes and fours take you to another level. And for me, that's what Utah has been able to do uh, during the, the time I've covered them. Is to have you know some in, in, in very uh, impressive starters at times, but now they have the depth that goes with it, and that I think was the turning point for this uh, for this school for this team over Witt's tenure.
0: Before you were the Jazz announcer on lockdown with an incredible story in Oklahoma City. Uh, before, you were the CBS play-by-play guy calling the NCAA tournament, dropping the legendary line to Gordon Monson. My underwear's soaking wet the day in Boise that four, <laughs> four games went right down to the wire. <laughs> that was GMI right there. And then uh, before that, you, you were uh, ESPN uh, calling college football and basketball with an analyst who said something. I don't even know if we're allowed to repeat it on the air, but I think he shocked you when he... <laughs> He dropped the line. Were you in Texas that night? Was it Kellen Winslow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That took a pair of what? Huh? Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. You were the you B- really just say that. Yeah, right. You yeah. were the you were the BYU football and basketball play by play guy when I got to town. Now that may seem weird to people who know you in this phase of your career, but that was what you did. Yeah, and you were on the road yeah. for um, you know, September to March calling Cougar games. And so I'm curious now, in a draft, you know, the whole lead-up to the draft, there's all this talk about, hey, do the Aggies have a first or second round or top uh, ten quarterback? And do the Utes have six, seven, or eight, nine guys drafted? And then BYU, they may not have anybody drafted. Maybe they will have somebody go late, but maybe they won't have anybody drafted. It's changed dramatically for a lot of reasons, and we've been over all the reasons. But if your career comes full circle— and you are, you know, Tom Homo's right-hand guy, what could you say or do to change the controllable stuff for BYU? You you can't control that Utah's in the Pac-12, they just are. What could you change the controllable stuff? Because BYU was a team that had the quarterback drafted in the first round and had all the guys drafted, and the Utes and Aggies didn't have either, and the whole thing's just flipped on its head right
3: now.
1: Well, there was a time. You're right. When I was uh, when I came to town, Jim Nance left, and then so I got the call to say, uh, "You want to call some football?" I said, "You mean with BYU, the '84 national champions?" And I said, "Absolutely." And then the Ty Detmer era comes to, comes into play, and a Heisman Trophy with it, and tight ends and receivers and. Uh, defensive linemen of Jason Buck and Sean Knight and J.C. Von Collins, linebackers. And they just had a, a plethora of talent down there. And different time, different place, different coach, uh, and also in a conference. I think that's where I would say the whisper in a tom's ear. Independence, you know, at first maybe sounded sexy because you can control your schedule but in my opinion, I think fans need something to look forward to in November where you have rivalries and, yeah, you play Tennessee's and, yeah, you can get a chance to uh, still play Utah on occasion. Uh, you know, that rivalry should never die in my opinion. But, of course, you know, the two uh, athletic directors may have different a different way of going about it in the future. But um, I still think you have to have something to look forward to once you get through um uh, the month of August and September, and back in the day, the WAC, the you know, the the Mountain West Conference at least gives you opportunities to recover uh, from a, a slow start to find your way back into potentially playing for a conference championship. And I think a lot of times, since I've covered you know BYU to where they are now, you know, it's it's you know on on a schedule. It's been impressive to see who they play. Uh, from one through six, the first six weeks. But if you don't score wins, it doesn't really matter if you can knock off, you know, UMass, uh, et cetera, because at that time there's there's nothing else to play for except to go to Hawaii. So I don't know. That's kind of where I would start. I, I just think that the experiment was interesting, but a conference I think in this particular era would help bode well for for the for BYU. I think it would just draw interest and maybe even draw a few more interested players to the program. That's just me.
2: So by conference, obviously a P5 would be a no-brainer, but are you also talking G5?
1: Well, if you have to. I mean, I think, again, PK, it's a changing, ever-changing um, you know, environment of football. Yeah, obviously a P5 would be what you would like. and I mean, And I keep thinking to myself, you know BYU's name alone, you know, should have that draw. There's complications I get on Sunday play and other things, uh, but maybe it's just a football program that goes, and the other programs again have to disperse into other areas of competition. But uh, if, but again, this goes back to a church decision on where they believe they feel that the program represents them the best, and that's something I really don't know that much about. I mean, on the outside I do, but on the the inside, you know, I really can't read the minds of what what the the, the ultimate goal is. And I think fans, and again, this is always a great topic of conversation and one that many are passionate about, but many want to be a a strong football program. Others understand that it's more or less an opportunity for, for BYU uh, to be out there and to get uh, their message uh, across, uh, and that the program—if it's five and six or six and six—then it's okay. Others want more. I hope they find balance sooner than later. I mean, I maybe it just needs to be a conversation among members and you know, and and, and the church downtown of just getting clarity on what they are and who they represent. Uh, that's kind of who. When I talk to fans, that seems to be the biggest. Uh, Concern that many would like BYU to be more competitive and relive those days of glory under Lavelle. But, you know, also times have changed a lot in the social media aspect. Uh, The honor code has seemed to be more uh, because of Lavelle. That wasn't brought up as much. I remember when I covered them at KSL, it was handled more internally, but also now with the social media aspect of it it becomes much more of a story. PK, as you know, and DJ, uh, that, that uh, through social media, uh, the privacy issue becomes a little bit more, I guess, out in public for all to see. So those are things that always, obviously need to be discussed and continue to be discussed and how you define it. And uh, I think a lot of times young athletes at 18, LDS or not, may tend to shy away from that. Uh, But also there's other schools that go after LDS athletes, Oregon, uh, USC, UCLA. The Pac-12 is full of LDS athletes and very good ones, by the way. And I think that's what is upsetting to many is that um, those that are LDS athletes have not chosen BYU as their number one destination. Um, So again, those would be a couple, three topics to discuss with Mr. Tom Homo, who, I respect and know, and I see him at jazz games all the time. He's in a tough situation, I truly believe. on trying to balance this entire thing.
0: So you were around for Jordan's whole run. You saw a lot of it up close, obviously covering the finals in 97 and 98. You watched the first two hours of the last dance. What did you come away with new? Either new stuff you didn't know uh, or a new perspective to something you did know?
1: Uh, the dislike for Jerry Krause, uh, was the first thing. Um, and the fact that really they wanted to dismantle this team prior to the run for the sixth title, uh, in a very strong way. And that, uh, they had told Phil Jackson, you're done amazing that you can come back for one year and still have the focus to try to, you know, hold this team together. And they were going to rebuild around Jordan. And he was very vocal about the fact that, um, You know, I don't want to be around for a rebuild. This is uh, who we are, and why break up a team that just won a title? So, And then also, I think in part two, uh, just how, I guess, angry and probably he had taken himself out of the mix of emotion, Scottie Pippen, uh, with that team for quite a while. And, And I think even how Michael had said that he felt like he had let the team down for not playing and having the surgery late really some interesting nuggets of information there. And I know there's more to come that involve the jazz. I'm really anxious to see how this thing plays out. But I think you also start to understand just the competitive nature of Michael Jordan and why he is who he is and why he accomplished the things that he did. I mean, just an assassin, really. I mean, that's, uh, and you know what I think too, guys, I, there's, there's just the beginning of this story and it's going to play out. It has to, is that he had to have the appreciation of his father, who becomes tragically, who tragically dies, and there's a lot to that story. Uh, and I'm wondering just how deep they go with that. But Michael makes a little bit of a claim or a comment about that, and I think that may truly be the driving force uh, to to much to much of this story.
2: So Jordan or LeBron?
1: <laughs> oh man. If I had to, if someone said pick, I'd go MJ. Because? I mean, I mean, just – I guess I saw him so up close during our time uh, locally with the Jazz and how he was able to win two titles away from, I thought, a title team at the time, especially the 90, uh, 98 team. Uh, and I think witnessing just – I know LeBron is in the assassin, you know, the assassin category, much like a Stockton. Stockton doesn't have titles, but LeBron does. But the competitive nature of Michael Jordan and the way that he was able to uh, uh, knock down shots, and I think also lead a team, uh, was impressive. LeBron is in that same category. Don't get me wrong by any means. And his career is yet to be finished. But uh, if I had to pick the two, I would think uh, it would have to be. Jordan. I've seen LeBron, and I just, um, and oh, I awe oh, at his a skill set as well. Uh, but also, Michael just, to me, just has, it for, tips it for me, just is a tipping point of just the way that he uh, was uh, uh, gifted beyond doubt to me. Um, I think the physical attributes just a little bit outweigh what LeBron does. That's just me.
0: Would you be surprised to learn that Joe Ingles saw uh, Mike Conley win the horse contest, saw his gym at home, and immediately busted his chops over that? does
1: not surprise me a bit. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> he probably said, hey, Mike, you know, it's tough that you have to have a, your own gym at home, right? Uh, he was going on about how big it
0: was and how massive it was and just, you know, it was. genuine yeah, disgust.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> Like it wasn't just a little teeny gym just for one guy to work out, man this is the whole deal i was I was impressed myself and you 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 know we were we were on that conference call the other day the zoom, and um you know Mike uh, was fun to talk to, fun to see him I didn't realize in that conversation too, just how stronger he is with his offhand I mean he's a lefty but he can uh, he basically was able to destroy people early with his right hand in play and he talked about that as a kid this guy's a professional horse player I mean he's been doing this all of his life taking on different uh, uh, you know anybody who wants to take him on he'd take him on and, and basically won he, he was yeah he was he was prepared for this competition no doubt.
2: So he's got the gym going on there, so he can get up as many shots as he wants, and other guys aren't getting up anything as far as shots or you know whatever training they're able to do. It seems like it's all over the map. What do you anticipate when this thing finally reconvenes as far as how it will look like in terms of a mini training camp or whatever you want to call it?
1: Well, I do know the Jazz has sent out some equipment. To, team, to to players to try to stay in shape. And I think Mike had a good comment too. I'm not sure what Joe has said, but bottom line is um, just being in shape is one thing. Basketball shape is a whole other beast. So I think that what Adam Silver has spoke of over the last month about, um, you know, camps and training camp or personal you know, time to get into shape and then bring them in about a 25-day, I guess that was his plan, right? A 25-day plan to allow players to get some time uh, to work out on their own and bring teams together for a, for a training camp. Didn't speak of any games, by the way. So you beat up on each other during the course of those 10 games or 10 days uh, in the camp situation and then you get into a, some situation, whether it's Vegas in a quarantine state to go play, the whole thing is intriguing. I don't know how it's going to turn out, PK. I, I missed the game. I know fans do as well, and uh, it's it's. I don't know when the timetable is going to happen or where they flip the switch, but hopefully, it will be the right decision at the right time. Um, and then, of course, when you deal with players of that level, you you know you always worry about are they really in shape, and then I'm sure teams who have a, a big investment financially with all of them fear of injury before they can even restart the season and how do they start the season? With games or do they go straight uh, to the postseason? And if so, the Jazz would open up as a a four seed. Obviously they wouldn't play at home, but they would play somewhere if it's Vegas um, against, strangely, the Oklahoma City Thunder if they stay with the current top eight in both the East and the West. So I am more I'm anxious every day to get this, you know, that we get healthy, uh, that we get the the green light to get back at it. But again, I don't want to have to come back and revisit this as well, guys. I know you don't either. And hopefully we get it right the first time.
0: I assume they'll try to squeeze in some regular season games. Maybe the calendar won't allow it. But the thought of sending everybody to Vegas, no fans, and one of the best teams in the league, and or more than one of the best teams in the league, some combination of the best teams in the league, get knocked out quickly in a four-game playoff series. They don't have the crowd. They don't have home court. They haven't gotten back into the flow and become what they were would make the rest of the postseason kind of a, like, really, this isn't a real deal. You know, mm-hmm. If some combination of the Bucks, Lakers, and Clippers went down in the first round to what looks like clearly an inferior team, it would taint the whole thing. So I would think that they'll do whatever they can. And maybe their hands will be tied and they won't be able to do anything. But I would think they would do whatever they can to provide six to eight to ten regular season games that essentially would be preseason games so that everybody was the real deal or, or closer to it at least when the playoffs started.
1: Would you say, those DJ, those games played would count in the standings? Yeah, or they'd they have just, to. Yeah, yeah they, they have would. To. Because if you look at the final 18 games, you know, the Jazz have Denver, the Jazz have the Clippers, the Jazz have the Lakers twice. Those are, you know, that's the way it worked out, that the Jazz obviously in that four spot chasing the three above them. And how would it play on? Could the Jazz actually elevate to a two or a three spot? Or would you tumble down to a five and lose a home court advantage? So that's that's the scenario. Yeah. I don't think you play the full 18, but maybe you would get a six or eight game schedule that would allow you to play those opponents above you to help figure out how you would actually stack up uh, in the West. I would be
0: pleasantly surprised if home court mattered in this postseason, because I'm I would agree. completely anticipating that it's on neutral court. If they can do right. it with home court and with fans, that'd be great. I just don't see it. Also, I would be pleasantly surprised if they played 82 regular season games, but I think it's getting pretty clear that the calendar's getting squeezed, and we've heard they want to be done by Labor Day, so I don't see how they're getting to 82. You know, I just don't think they're going to play all 18 of those games.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. And they also are focusing ahead to twenty twenty one. And how many games do you play there, or allowed to play? Do you try to squeeze in a few extra and actually bump your schedule to ninety, and give your you know my thought is if you do that, maybe you can recoup some revenue, uh, put teams back on solid ground or somewhat, and maybe you give the the NBA a couple of breaks. Instead of just the all-star break next year, maybe you split the season in half and have a week off here and a week off there and just keep ramping it up. Depends on how the players and the union and you know how the owners come together and make some big decisions on this because they both have, obviously, financial um, you know input into this whole decision-making process.
0: Bowler, as always, thank you.
1: Hey, guys, be safe. We'll see you soon.
0: DJ and PK brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net.
3: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: My worst attribute, I would say, you know, I don't have the can arm like, you know, some guys, but I think there's been a lot of really successful quarterbacks in the league without the, the arm like an Aaron Rodgers. And you make up for it with preparation and timing and accuracy and, and really understanding,
1: you know, the routes that your guys are running.
0: Joe Burrow, we're all anticipating he'll be the first pick in the draft tonight. Cincinnati Bengals, it gets going at 6 o'clock on ESPN and the NFL Network. It's a joint broadcast, so there's no point in flipping back and forth. You're going to be seeing the same thing. 32 picks, one round tonight. Anticipating that we're going to see a Ute and an Aggie drafted. The Jalen Johnson, the Utes corner, should go in the first round. And... Jordan Love, the Aggies quarterback, should go in the first round. He might go in the top ten picks, but not everybody's in the market for a quarterback, so if you don't go early and some team passes on you, you can plummet pretty quickly. Uh, A little different for other positions, but quarterback, it's a weird deal. But pretty unusual. We don't don't get two first-rounders very often in these parts, PK. No, we
2: don't. Not in them. There, these parts out here in the middle of nowhere. You got to be kidding me!
0: And yet, it'll give us all something to watch tonight. We've also Hallelujah. been dis- we've also been discussing today that uh, this should help the youth coaches recruit. They've done a good job in the past of parlaying draft picks uh, and the ability to get guys to the NFL into more talent. And then that group and uh, even more guys and more talent. And so it's kind of intriguing. Three years ago, they sent off a big group of guys to the NFL. And sure enough, they were loaded and uh, won 20 games the last two years. Intriguing to see what they do now with Trevor Riley coming on and saying that this was their best recruiting class. And assuming they hit the jackpot here in the next three days, what's that going to do for the next couple of classes?
2: Oh, I think it's going to be a bonanza. That's how you build a program, man, is you have recruiting classes that are solid one after another. And then maybe you sprinkle in a couple of transfers. Uh, you probably have a couple of guys transfer out. That's just the way it works. You need your four-star and five-star, if you should be fortunate to get them, to play like that. And then you also need your Trevor Rileys of the world who were not highly touted but yet end up being NFL-caliber players and actually playing the NFL and give your program a big boost there. So you need all sorts of that stuff and i think they've had that i mean this year i can make a case that terrell burgess is that kid doesn't play plays a little bit hangs in there doesn't leave and gets his chance and now just rocketing up the draft boards and and mock drafts and it's so fun to see he's a great kid he's a great interview loved always talking to him so you got that going on there and you look at him And sure, Jalen Johnson was projected to be all that from day one. Turns out he is all that. Well, you need some other guys that you you recruit, whether they're two, three, or whatever they might be in the start thing. I don't know how that all works anyway, how they figure that stuff out. But you need those guys to come up big for you. Cody Barton last year would be one of those guys I mean uh, Keithy this year on offense at tight end they really developed him and he turned into a phenomenal weapon to where I would expect some big things from from him over the next couple years so you need all that stuff and right now it looks like the U of U is able to get that and this is a celebration of their program by the time we're done here what on Saturday to see how many guys and then of course you'll have the opportunity for those guys who are not drafted to sign and then we'll know when we get in the season when roster cutdown day is but Utah players to the NFL it's not even really a story anymore it's like well yeah of course that's what they do
0: yeah I don't think it's a story from that angle I think the thing I'll be looking at is how many teams uh, were in their neighborhood you know, if they have seven, eight, nine guys drafted, if you go back, that's not the most in college football, and I don't think they'll have the most tonight. But is it going to be one of the top three, top five, top seven teams? Who are some of the other teams that have a a boatload of guys drafted? I think that, that is, uh, that's something uh, worth tracking tonight, especially because we got no games. Normally, I'd be watching the NBA and just checking in on the draft to see who picked... Which big names. And, of course, now we've got no NBA, so I'll be locked down on the draft.
2: Locked down. You're Jalen Johnson. You're a locked down cornerback here. That's what you're going to be doing, locked down on the NBA draft. I don't know, or excuse me, the NFL draft. I will have it on, but I'll also probably have my computer, and I'm not going to sit there in between picks and have these guys speculate. So I don't think I'll be locked down. I'll, I will certainly be watching it. There's no question about that. And I'll watch the entire first round. But I'll also, I'm a male. And because I'm a male in my gender, my DNA, and there's a remote there to my left, it has to be in my hand. And I have to use it. Turn so- out the batteries on the remote. Quicker than anybody I know.
0: So should I be skipping out on a couple of picks to continue to binge watch The Office, which has kind of been my go-to thing here for a few weeks? Or should I not be checking out for 21 minutes at a time? Yach, judge me. Judge me harshly. I'm a guy who's
2: going to watch every minute of the draft. I'm not going to
0: lie. Oh, well, if you're going to do that, then I can watch The Office and you can fill me in. I, I've always enjoyed it. It's something I've always enjoyed watching. I'm the type of guy who will turn it on, and it's not going anywhere else. I wonder if I can find because I'm with PK. I like to I like to bounce around. And I get that. I'm, yeah, but, I'm different. But when we hit way. these commercial breaks, am I going to be able to zip over to, uh, you know, is Faraday going to have something on the golf channel? Yeah, or, commercials. Yeah. Right. Probably. Something I can hit. And, uh, and sometimes sure. like, I want to see what the pick is, but I, depending on yes. who it is, I may or may not care about the breakdown. And the thing about the first round is you know, there's big gaps between the picks. I mean, there are. But, you, know, you get later on, the alla- picks, they start yeah, flying right. by. They're allowing 10 minutes in the first round tonight, so there's going to be plenty of downtime as you wait. So I could watch the office and skip out on two picks. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You could do that. I want to see the top six picks and how it plays out, but it could play out pretty slowly. But if there's going to be a trade at 3, is someone going to move up to get a quarterback yeah. that they afraid, they're afraid they can't get at 5 or 6? So, like, 8, 9, 10, when they start drafting
3: offensive tackles, that's when you check out.
0: Well, except that I'm curious about Jordan Love.
3: I think he's going latter half, yeah. but
0: we'll see. You know, I do have the DVR. I could just go with the technology, record the draft, watch a show, zip back, sip through three picks, catch up. It's yeah, and that is that is total ADD behavior. I don't know if I'd do it. If I'd even want to be uh, pleading guilty to that on TV or on the radio that I did that watching TV.
2: With all with all due respect, I would ask you, my good friend David James. Do our listeners really give a crap what you're going to be watching
0: tonight? Uh, You know, we've got a segment on it, and we've got uh, you making fun of my deck. I don't know if they really care if I have a deck or not. I had Yach in a previous break estimated that 25 to 30% of Utah had a deck, so I don't know if they cared about that, but, you know, we spent three minutes on it.
2: No, you're missing the point. We're not discussing what are you going to watch. We discussed what did you watch. So we don't have a segment on what you're going to watch. Not yet. We have a segment on what you did watch. Now, tomorrow, if you want to come in and tell us, then that is pertinent at 7.50. But right now, I have to say, this is a bunch of crap. And I don't think we're going to get any complimentary text from David Locke over this.
0: (laughs) Well, that's my goal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, most, the most nitpicky detailed PD I've ever worked with, breaking it down sentence by sentence, word by word in the post-show review Compliment from him, look out Hey, uh, we had Joe Ingalls on Yak. I told Yak whatever really interests you in the Joe Ingalls we gotta catch people up at 9.30 who weren't here when Joe was here at 8.30 Yak, what was the most interesting thing he talked about? Well, it was not that maybe the most interesting thing he talked about, it was just the interaction him and PK had on this little bit here correct to say the longer this
2: period of inactivity goes the longer you'll need to have training to get back to playing
3: real games you're a smart man you're a smart man (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah I think uh, obviously if we'd had two or three weeks off and we'd come back kind of right away then it obviously takes less time because guys are uh, like I said we're coming up to what nearly two months now um, really and um But that's a a long time. Like, a lot lot of guys would take three, four, five, six weeks off in the side depending on when you finish and when the season's obviously over and all that. Um, And doing that, it takes – it's obviously a little different because you you, kind of go from nothing to slowly building up to to being ready for for training camp where obviously we were – was kind of in in that part of the season where obviously we had whatever 15, 18 games and everyone's kind of gearing up and, and getting your body right and mentally you're getting right ready and um, team wise you obviously want to be kind of starting to play some really good basketball heading into the playoffs so we we're in a a really weird position at the finish because everyone was kind of fine tuning everything before the playoffs started and obviously trying to trying to get some wins in that back like the, the last third of the season so um, you go from that to obviously not nothing but nothing in terms of what we're allowed to do as a team and all that um, so I think yeah I think I mean I I don't want to ruin people's dreams or anything but I think the longer we're waiting I think the harder it is for, for not only the league to come back but uh, like you said individuals to to get back to, to game shape and, and obviously there's going to have to be some some pretty smart people um, with timelines if we do go back to see how much time exactly is needed because you can't an uh, NBA game is easier as it might look from uh, the grandstand or the, the stand sometimes it's, uh, it's a quick fast it's, you know, obviously we, we know how, how fast paced and, and skilled it is so it's, um, it'll be interesting to, to kind of see what happens because uh, like I said we're coming up to whatever just under two months now
0: There's Joe Ingles and that was uh, as down as I've heard him on, uh, on everybody coming back I mean he's not he's not throwing in the towel yet, but we're still is kinda you could you could just hear it in his voice. Well clearly having some technical difficulties there as uh PK's breaking up. Um I think the players associate, I think the owners, I think they'll give them uh, four weeks to get back. It seems like that's a number that when you see quotes, keeps coming up. We had the quote from Chris yeah, Paul. Uh, we had the quotes from Chris Paul that he thought that was about the timeline as well.
2: Sure, yeah. I think there there is a timeline, but I think these guys really want to play. They just want to play under the right circumstances. So they're gonna, the thing that I feel very, very confident is the league and the Players Association are going to do everything possible to try to get out there. And if they can't, it's not going to be because they don't want to.
0: I think the, uh, the rough timeline, knowing and having heard that they'd like to be done by Labor Day because they need some kind of off-season before they get ready for the next season, even if they slide the next season back until Christmas, so they'll still be training camp and everything and need a, a little bit of downtime there, and they're going to have to do a draft at some point, so they need time for that. They've got to go through free agency. They need time for that. So if they're going to do two months of playoffs, it seems like that would be July and August. So if they're going to do a month of the regular season with 18 games left, they still wouldn't get it all in. Uh, but they could probably, you know, play every every other day and get about 15 games in. So regular season in June, playoffs in July and August, if you're going to have four weeks of camp before that, you kind of need May for that, but it doesn't sound like we're eight to ten days away from camp opening up. So I think that would be... Kind of the best-case scenario for a calendar, and yet I think that's why we hear it in Joe's voice. He's like, if you haven't heard anything yet, if it doesn't sound like it's 10 days away, then even that timeline is starting to get compressed. And I think that's kind of the uh, the reluctance we're going to hear going forward. Not Maybe not reluctance, but just kind of the... Uh, the weariness, the kind of, like, oh boy, what are we in for here? Is it going to have to be best of five playoffs or there are only going to be four or five regular season games, not 10 or 12 or 15 to tune these guys up? And I do think it would be a nightmare scenario if they start the playoffs and we see the Lakers, Clippers, and, and bucks two of those three teams, bounced in the first round because they're just not you know, back into form yet and they're not really who they look like they were for 60 games. You know, one team can get upset, but if a bunch of the top teams go out, then the whole playoffs look tainted and we all start to shrug and wonder what we're doing. <laughs> what are we doing here?
2: No, I disagree 100% here. You do not. I, I disagree 100%. It's it's already tainted. They're going to be playing just for fun. It's not going to be playing for legacy, for LeBron. It's just going to be out there. It's going to be that uh, you get together with your buddies and you're playing some ball. That's basically what the NBA is going to be like, probably what the MLB is going to be like. Maybe golf can be different because it's an individual sport. But the team sports, man, it's going to be like uh, you were just saving from something that you didn't see happening and it was a disaster and you got a second lease on life so you're just going to be loose you're going to be out there and you're just going to have some fun it's not going to be a nightmare scenario if the Lakers go out who cares if the Lakers go out we're just going to have a celebration that the game is back and we're able to play sure it's tainted and it's not going to compare to whatever other seasons you've had and LeBron's other titles that he's won or whoever wins this, and if the if Kawhi Leonard gets his third one, it wouldn't compare to the first two. We all understand that, but I think the American sports public and the world in general, because basketball is a global sport as we know, they're just going to be excited that it's back. I think you're overthinking it and you're breaking it down. I should put that out there. We could discuss this. When we got the draft that will hit tomorrow and all that stuff. But people will just be glad that it's back, and they're not worried about tainted and, and – um, best teams going back out early because they weren't prepared. It's already screwed up. It'll be a celebration of the return of sports, in this case, basketball. So who cares what the results are?
0: I agree with you to a point. Certainly with no home court on a neutral court and no fans, I mean, that is just going to be way different. And we will always remember it as being way different. But we still don't want it to be the Pacers or the Nets versus, you know, the Mavericks or the Grizzlies. And there's got to be some semblance of the best team's going at it. All right, DJ and PK, that's some of the stuff we've been talking about today and a brand-new topic that apparently we'll be talking about tomorrow. Hey, look, you got the new stuff here with the 9 o'clock Slacker Radio headlines. They're brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com.
1: And, uh,
0: don't go nowhere. It's time for the feedback of the day, and it's brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine dollars per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudisaltlakeCity.com. Uh, Twitter is alive right now with the thought that Jerry Jones will be off by himself with no one to kick him under the table and quiet him down. He'll be able to pick whoever he wants. People anticipating a wild card choice out of the Dallas Cowboys through the, uh, through the draft now. So brace yourself for that. People tweeting at us, uh, a lot of stuff coming in about the Utes. Is it impressive for them to have up to nine players be NFL draft picks? Multiple people loving the comment, you misspelled 10. Uh, Justin said it would have been impressive for that team loaded with NFL talent to win their conference. Um uh, and somebody thought that that was a BYU fan uh, making a snide joke. And Justin says, no, I was being serious. I wanted Utah to beat Oregon and win the conference. I thought it would happen with that much talent. On the other hand, Oregon had some NFL talent. I think we'll find out they didn't have that much NFL talent. But... They did have not just uh, an NFL draft pick, a quarterback, but a guy who's going to be a very high draft pick, a quarterback. And part of the drama tonight is to see if he goes third or fifth or sixth. I don't think very many people expect him to drop below the sixth pick in the draft. And quarterbacks are game changers. So when the youths uh, get a sure, game changer yeah, at quarterback, look out.
2: He's all that. He, he, Yeah, I don't know that you need that one, but yeah, obviously that, that'll help. But uh, – Uh, that defensive end uh, Thibodeau for Oregon was just a freshman keep your eye on him Uh, he's not going in this year's draft but if he was going in this year's draft he'd be a top 10 pick he is unbelievable. He's the freaking closest thing at the college level that I've ever seen to Lawrence Taylor. So in a couple years, he's going to be all that because he already is all that. So they've got a lot of NFL talent on that team. Well, you'll see that in the coming years when these younger guys can get eligible to be uh, drafted.
0: And then uh, Jill uh, sending in a message. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad PK confirmed he was male. I'd been wondering. And a little thinking emoji.
2: Uh, that's because I have a I have a sensitive side that I appeal to all people.
0: I've always said I'm a, I'm not a man of the people. I'm a person of the people. A person of the people. Not really an expression, but, you know, give it time. Yes. you can make it something. J-Slow wasn't an expression for a while, and you made it something. So we'll give you a fighting chance there. Make the magic happen. PK therefore it is <laughs> All right we're out of time Hans and Scotty you're coming up next we will see you tomorrow